If you've got your Bibles, you can turn to Hebrews chapter 2 or get up your apps or whatever you do to help go along with what we're doing here today as we talk about salvation and the significance of it. Now, this month in February, I've been focusing on the significance of salvation, the importance of it, and uh, it's been uh, fun to research and study. It's always a, a blessing to prepare for these messages, and today we're going to talk about the sibling, sibling salvation aspect of that, and um, we're going to be here in uh, Hebrews chapter 2, starting in verse 10. I just want to remind everybody today that salvation really is a family thing. It's not something that you just have to go through by yourself. It really is a family thing. It's a family event. There are Christians all over the country gathering right now as believers, and they're all part of the big family, and they're gathering in their kind of little families wherever they might be. There's a group in East Palestine, Ohio, at the First Church of Christ with Brother Bob Heckel there, and he is gathering with his people this morning to worship and honor the Lord. And the reason that they're on my mind is, as I came into the office this morning, there were 20 messages. Not one of them was for me. Uh, one of them was for Alan. Alan got it. The rest were for the people in East Palestine, Ohio, who were suffering because of the train derailment. Have you seen that information on the news? It's just a, a tragedy uh, that has taken place. And so when I was up here the other day, I was trying to get some work done, and I didn't get anything done because every 10 minutes someone was calling and asking how they could help us with water or housing or whatever it might be. There was a lady from North Carolina crying uh, she was. She left a message. She was in tears. She says, "I have a whole mountainside of houses. I'll house however many people you need to come out and, and help if they need help." Just made me think of how big our family is. It was just. You would think it was a bother, but it just warmed my heart to know that people, perfect strangers, people we don't know, the only thing we have in common is our faith, our belief in Jesus Christ, are calling and saying, "We'll give you a house. We'll give you food. We'll give you money. We'll give you water." We're part of a big family. And sometimes it's important for us to examine our family ties. I came up with this uh, idea because of the, the old television show, Family Ties. Maybe you remember it. That's where Michael J. Fox got his start back in television way back in the day. And it was kind of a, a flip-flop of the old 50s where you'd have a conservative mom and dad and kind of a rebellious teen. Well, he had rebellious parents, and he was more of a conservative uh, teenager. And so they played off that with all the situation comedy that was involved with that. But the, the, the main theme behind the story, of course, was that whatever they were going through, their family bound them together. They were tied together. It made me think of what has been happening here this week. It, when, when you have brothers and sisters in a place who has that, that has a similar name to yours, and just by virtue of people not putting an east on the word Palestine, you get to hear about all the good people who want to help. It really does. Uh, it is significant and appropriate for us to say, blessed be the tie that binds. Maybe you remember that old hymn, blessed be the tie that binds. We used to sing at different uh, times as part of a doxology. We are blessed in the tie that binds us as brothers and sisters in Christ. Sometimes we take that for granted. Of course, you know this whole theme is we can't take for granted our salvation. 
that was the point of the first message here in February is that we really have to take our salvation seriously. And then last week we talked about how it is subjective to us and that God has created everything, everything that's gone on in this world, everything he has done to respond is for us as his children. And we truly are blessed. We just sing about it. Hallelujah, I'm blessed. I love that song. It's got catchy tune. It'll get caught in your head just like popcorn gets and caught in your teeth. It just sticks with you and it just uh, it mulls around in there over and over again. Our earthly families are important to us too. They create ties for us. They, cry, uh, they create ties to certain things for us. We're tied to both the dysfunctions of our families, as all of us have to uh, accept, but also tied to the dynamics of our familial DNA. Some things that are going on in you right now, you're not sure where they come from or why you're that way, but it's mainly a big part of your familial DNA. And most of us spend our lives unaware of the things to which we are bound until damage has been done or opportunity has been lost. I surely don't want that to be the case for us when we're talking about being a part of the sibling salvation that we talk about, that is described here in Hebrews. The tie that binds us to our Heavenly Father, it addresses our dysfunctions as well as the dynamics that transform us from our familial DNA. And all of that can be addressed appropriately through our salvation as we add to the whole conversation not just who our moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas and brothers and sisters are, but who our real uh, heavenly brother is in Jesus Christ. And he goes to a lot of trouble here to make sure that he is letting us know that we are his siblings. And why would he go to all the trouble, especially the writer here in Hebrews, why would he go to all the trouble of talking about this over and over again unless there was something significant about it? Our salvation through Christ Jesus, it binds us to a familial dynamic that ties us to the blessings that Jesus has provided for us. Namely, today we're going to talk about the healing glory, which makes us holy. We'll talk about the helpful God who gives us and makes us part of a functional family where we can find rest and healing and to a hopeful gene genealogy which goes beyond just blood to a power that Jesus offers to us over death. The ties to our earthly familial dysfunctions can be redeemed when we allow Jesus to restore us through our heavenly family dynamic. And that is so important for many of us. Just like we gather around the Lord's table and we seek to discern, to deal with some of our frustrations and our failures, those voices of condemnation and judgment often started when we were children. We still hear them today. But Jesus, when we understand we're part of his family, he can redeem that so that instead of rejecting and throwing our families out because they might have created dysfunction or put dynamics into our life that are hard to deal with, he allows us to redeem those things and be restored in those things as a part of the heavenly family. But... It's our responsibility to take advantage of this opportunity before it's lost. 
Again, I'll remind you, how shall, we, how shall we escape it when we ignore so great a salvation that has been given to us? Let's look at verse two, 10 of Hebrews chapter 2 to get some context here of what we're talking about. It says here that in, beginning, in bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through what he suffered. Talking about Jesus there. Both the one who makes them perfect and the one who is made perfect are from the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. He says, I will declare your name to my brothers and sisters. In the assembly I will sing your praises. And again I will put my trust in him. And again he says, here am I and the children God has given to me. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in celebrity with fear of death. For sure it's not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. This is all about family today. It's all about the family that Jesus provides for us as our big brother, so to speak. We've got a Heavenly Father. We have the Holy Spirit. We're all part of this family. And these verses confirm for us that we are part of that family for a reason. The first one here today we want to discuss is that it binds us. It binds us to healing glory. And we need that. The familial, the familial eternal dynamic ties us through holiness to a healing God. Again, in bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it was fitting that God for whom and through whom everything exists should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through what he suffered. But the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are from the same family. Do you hear that? We have this healing thing that's going on and all of us have to acknowledge that we've come from dysfunctions in our familial DNA and dynamics that sometimes are hard for us to, uh, to understand. Our body shapes, the, our eye colors, our, our uh, hair balding, if that's the case, uh, our height, uh, our weight, uh, our dispositions in many ways. Nothing you can do about that, though, unless you add to that the redeeming nature of the healing glory of your eternal familial DNA. It's dynamic enough where it can heal us through holiness. And what holiness is, is that we realize, the thing that starts to heal us is we begin to realize that we are holy. And the one who has made us holy and those who are being made holy are perfect. We're all part of the same family, Right? Which means that there's no difference in terms of God's eyes in the way that he's going to deal with us and address us. We are all part of his family and blessed be the tie that binds us. We are in the same family as the one who perfects us through what he suffered is in our family. And it's important to look at that particular aspect of it. We are in this family because Jesus suffered for us so that we could be in it. He took on the punishment of the sin and the dysfunction 
and all the weird dynamics. He put that upon his shoulders and he died on the cross and was crucified so that he could forgive and redeem all of that in you. There's no use and you need to walk out of here today feeling down or depressed or discouraged because of anything in your life. Because if you truly will accept what Jesus has done for you, you will be healed through his glory. Now, doesn't mean that you automatically change. You've got to do some work. You didn't get this way over uh, just uh, since yesterday. It's been a lifelong uh, compilation of things that have happened to you to made you that make you the way that you are today. But you can start the process and take that path of healing glory by claiming that you are a child of God. Blessed be that tie that binds. Hebrews chapter 3 verse 6 reminds us that Christ is faithful as the son over God's house. And we are his house if indeed we hold firmly to the confidence and the hope in which we glory. Are you hanging on to that? God changed everything when he sent Jesus. Moses used to be the faithful servant that everybody identified with. But now through Christ, he is the... Uh, son over the house of God and we are that house we're part of his family we're part of that dynamic if he says we hold on firmly to our confidence and the hope in which we glory those two things are so important for you to walk out of here with today your confidence and your hope because those are the things that we can glory in we know that we're part of God in that's the gift that he has given us to live in his hope and confidence so whatever it is that you think you might be suffering through, just remember Jesus suffered so that we could have healing and glory through it. We're bound to that glory. The Super Bowl was last week, is that right? It seems like it was a long, long time ago. But I guess it was last Sunday night and they had an interview with DeMar Hamlin from the Buffalo Bills. He was the young man that was... Uh, who passed out on the field in Cincinnati and there was lots of prayers and lots of things going on. And with his interview with uh, Michael Strahan, it was interesting that he couldn't answer some questions. He said, there are some things I don't know, I can't, I can't talk about, I can't process. But he said, I do know this, that God has something in mind and I want to give God the, glo I want to give God the glory for this because he's going to do something through this. You know, we need to have that same attitude as brothers and sisters of Christ. We may not know exactly how God's going to use what has happened to us, and nothing as tragic as what happened to DeMar Hamlin has happened to us, but he can take whatever has happened to us and he can redeem it, and we may be, it may take us a while to process it, but if we give God the glory, we can do so because we know he's going to do something with it. We're bound to healing glory when we're children of God, when we're brothers and sisters of of Jesus. That is the blessing of our sibling salvation. We're also bound to a helpful God. There's a tie there that is so powerful. The familial eternal dynamic ties us through functionality to a helpful God. God wants us to deal with the dysfunctions of our life by teaching us how to change them from dysfunctions into functions. Where they help us. He transforms us. 
He wants us to be effective and productive in our knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible says. Here in Hebrews 10, uh, it reminds us, So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. He says, I will declare your name to my brothers and sisters, and in the assembly I will sing your praises. And again, I will trust, put my trust in him. And again, here am I and the children God has given me. We are brothers and sisters of the one who is never ashamed to claim us. Have you ever been ashamed to claim your brother or sister? You know, Maybe you were in high school, they were in junior high or vice versa. And you'd say, don't speak to me. Don't even look at me. Don't, don't even act like you know me. Because you do not exist to me. That ever happened to you? You ever have a situation like that? Well, I want to assure you that Jesus has never been ashamed to call you his. Now, you may be ashamed to call yourself a Christian, but if you are a believer and you've given your life over to him, no matter what you've done, he's, not a still, he's still not ashamed to call you brother or sister. Hebrews 3, 3-4 through 4 says, Jesus has been found worthy of greater honor than Moses, just as the builder of the house has greater honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but God is the builder of everything. God's the builder of the house. Christ found greater honor than Moses the way he deals with everything. He is not ashamed of us. There was a time when Moses was ashamed of his people. Do you remember that? He even cursed in such a way where it, it made it impossible for him to enter into the promised land. Your house best functions as designed by the builder. So it's important that we let his blueprint help us in this life, and we're bound to that help. We have the word of God. We have scripture. It is designed to help us. Jesus is not ashamed to call us his brothers and sisters. He's always there to help you no matter what. There's nothing that you're going through that he can't help you with. doesn't matter the scourge or the, 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 the seriousness of it. Jesus can help you. And I believe that he's the only one that can help you. Now, I've had a brother. There were things he's done in his life I was ashamed of. But the one thing that got us through that, all of that has been the faith that God would redeem him and help him overcome. And that's a gift that Jesus has given to us. So we're bound to a helpful God. We're also bound to a hopeful genealogy and I think it's important, you know, you think about what your name is, the name that you carry. There's this movement, uh, I think, in current culture to say that men or women taking their husband's last names is kind of a social construct, and so they shouldn't do anymore. So some couples are hyphenating, you know, their, their given names. So it would be Simmons Lindsay if it were Elizabeth and I because she was a Lindsay. Um, uh, Beth here would be a Simon Squillante, uh, and that seems like a lot of words to spell out, out on a check. Uh, some people are saying we just need to get rid of those things altogether, and maybe you can pick an animal that you becomes your you know your last name. So I think uh, of Jack and Mary because they used to raise hogs. What their last name might be. <laughs> You're welcome. 
and piglets. Good news is that we're really bound to a hopeful genealogy that's just not limited to our moms and dads, our grandmas and grandpas, the people that we marry. There's a, a greater dynamic, and that familial eternal dynamic ties us through faith to our genealogy, which is greater than the time and circumstance. It has connected us to a promise. Hebrews 10 continues here, Since children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives have, lived in, have been held in slavery to the fear of death. For surely it's not the angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. So the Hebrew writer, he connects us all the way back to the promise of Abraham. And the promise that was given to Abraham is that all the nations of the earth would be blessed we would all be Abraham's children. That's where it all started. And it continues that eternal promise, that heavenly promise. It's a promise that's beyond this world. It's not just about flesh and blood, but it's about the blood of Christ. We are children with the one who broke the power of death. And up until that time of Abraham, there was no real promise that was inherent about the, it was suddenly given to, Ab to Adam uh, in Genesis, but uh, was really defined for us in Abraham and on beyond, beyond. And then in the New Testament, it is fully defined for us through Christ Jesus and that he gives us power over death. And that means that he gives us power of this world being limited, just limiting us. That we can be part of a bigger family that's beyond this world. It's in heaven, a heavenly promise, an eternal promise. Hebrews 11, 8 through 12 describes this promise. It says, By faith Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. And by faith he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were his heirs with him of the same promise. Now listen. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who made the promise. And so from this one man, and as he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. And if you look, read the book of Revelation, you know this is in reference to eternity, to heaven. Always looking forward to a foundation whose architect and builder is God. Now I know you might have come from a family that made it difficult for you in some ways. Maybe emotionally, maybe physically. You, you can curse your metabolism every day if it's hard for you to get, you know, if you're not able to lose weight or you can look at yourself in the mirror and say, you know, why didn't I get my, my grandfather Simmons' hairline? Because he always had hair, but I got, I got my mom's grandfather's hairline, Charlie, and he was just, you know, I looked just like him at this particular point as far as my hair is concerned. You complain about all that, all that you want, but the reality here is that we have something that takes us beyond that. We're bound to a hopeful geology, one that's beyond this world that will help redeem our dysfunctions and restore us to the true dynamics of why we are part of a family so that we can overcome, so that we can live. Our family is rich in heritage when it comes to our faith family. 
And our inheritance is something that we always need to look forward to as a part of being in that city whose architect is God. Now, you might think about famous families, the Rockefellers, the Gettys, the, the Kennedys, people like that who are big names in the world, but none of us are uh, inheritance or heirs to those thrones or anything like that, but we do have a different kind of inheritance here in Palestine. Uh, names like Wilsons and Fraley's and Nichols. Those are the kinds of people we look forward to seeing when we come to that place where the city whose architect is God. And they have given to us the opportunity to continue to preach the gospel and share the good news of Jesus Christ and open up our little place here where people can come and serve and honor the Lord and be part of a hopeful genealogy that is beyond this world. Our salvation is made possible and more powerful because it is part of a sibling dynamic. You are not and never will be alone. Your moms and dads or brothers and sisters or uncles and aunts, they might have let you down. They might have done bad things to you. But you have a sibling in Jesus who suffered death to redeem all of that in you. We have God as our father. We have Jesus as our brother. We have other believers as our brothers and sisters. And together these tie us to the hope and help and healing. We need to overcome the enemies that will confront us in this life. We are family. Hebrews 10, 19 through 25 says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place, by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, open for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with a full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. And let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. And this last one, and let us consider how we may spur one another on to love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see that day approaching. I don't know if you can see that day approaching, but it's coming. And we're called to not give up meeting, not get, give up coming together because we share in common this faith in Christ, this love for God, this faith that we have that we profess and we're to draw near to God, we can find cleansing and hope and redemption and goodness. And we need to encourage each other towards that. Because indeed, all of us have come from families that were not perfect. But we can be a part of the one who suffered to be perfect. And that is Jesus. Blessed be the tie that binds Let's pray. Father, we are grateful for this opportunity to examine your word. I pray that we're encouraged today by the idea that we are part of a family. That our salvation in Christ Jesus has given us a sibling 
who was perfect but suffered anyway. He's not ashamed of us. He declares your name to us. He sings your praises with us. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. Now, Lord, I'm mindful today. We may have been hurt. There might have been some kind of weird dysfunction that's been created in us by our earthly familial ties. I pray you redeem that today. That if nothing else, we'll just accept the fact that, well, that's our family. We may not be able to understand fully everything that has happened with that, but we will give you glory moving forward. And we'll ask you to use what we discover from you to help other people overcome. Might be within our own family. Might be our neighbors or friends. It might be perfect strangers, but help us to be there, redeemed. And Father, I pray that as we think about your power and how you heal us and how you help us and the hope you give us as being part of your family, that we will let that redefine us. Not that we'll take a different name or a different last name or anything like that, but just that we will recognize that we are part of a great family. Not just the one that's here in Palestine, but our brothers and sisters in East Palestine who we lift up and pray for. For those in Greenville and Lynn and Miami, Oklahoma, or wherever we might have been from. We can be a part of a family and a legacy that is rich and powerful, but most importantly, it's practical. It allows us to function in this world despite the hurt and the harassment that we might have been through. Lord, give us your healing. Let us accept your help today. Let us focus on the hope of being part of a great genealogy, a great family. And may that help us in this week, I pray. In the precious name of Jesus Christ, our brother, we pray it in his name. Let all God's people say,